Uh, hey guys, man, I just, uh, just wrote a new article. Oh, no way. Nice. Yeah, I've been uh, experimenting with this new form. It's sort of like a purer form of writing. Uh, it's the the Twitter thread. <laughs> I don't know if you all are familiar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are like, you know, uh, small little uh, digestible bits where you can like microblog. Hell yeah. Uh, microblogging. What a perfect term. And I'd like to just run this one by you uh, just so you guys can see. You know, just gonna hear what you guys think, you know, just get some get some feedback here. Um, so important, and this is where I put in the thread emoji. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. On the conflict in Ukraine, uh, one of 272. That's in parentheses, <laughs> all right? Okay, okay. There's I don't a lot know. to say. <laughs> exactly. I got a lot to say about this topic. I don't know who needs to hear this, but last night it occurred to me that the situation in Ukraine is just like the room. Tommy is Ukraine, an honest broker trying to make it in the world. Maybe he's naive. Maybe he's too trusting. Lisa, naturally, is Russia. She's trying to seduce Tommy, Ukraine, into a closer relationship. A marriage, if you will. But it's a relationship built on lies. (laughs) America, well, America's Denny. Uh, We are poking our head in, just trying to check up on our favorite neighbors. Tommy, Ukraine. And Lisa, Russia, we are told that three is a crowd, but we know they need our help. Yes, Queen. (laughs) Ultimately, Mm. for Tommy, Ukraine, Lisa is tearing him apart. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Think about it. (laughs) I haven't. (laughs) Uh, Naturally, of course, Mark would be Germany. He's also being seduced by uh, Russia, Lisa. Uh, and Chris R is the CIA because he sells drugs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I finally understand this crisis. You finally put it into terms that I can understand, and I appreciate you for it. Oh, thank you, thank you. This is why we need more diversity in uh, journalism. <laughs> you are the embodiment of that. <laughs> so creative. Welcome back to Mechanical Freak, that podcast you all know and love. We are coming from Seattle, we're coming from New York, we're coming from all over the West, the U.S., the hegemon of NATO, New York especially, the Empire State. Uh, (laughs) We are here, we got a star-studded lineup. I'm Munya. Hey, I'm Greg. I'm Brian. And we have two longtime friends of the show on the show. Yeah, that's right, Munya. You know, there sure have been a lot of bad, uninformed, extemporaneous, arrogant, and insane takes out there about a certain horrifying geopolitical tragedy. This week, and maybe never before, has a commodity valuation gone so Lambo so fast. That's right. <laughs> I'm talking about hot takes from leftist men. (laughs) They're worth their weight in gold, and you can't get enough. That's why with us tonight to engage and unpack the politics of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we have with us some guys. Uh, Say hello, Jacob. Hi, I'm Jacob. Thanks for having me. 
Hey, yeah. Uh, thanks for coming. Jacob's here to talk about uh, troop movements and control maps. Uh, say hi, Wes. <laughs> uh, say hello, Wes. Uh, hi, I'm Wes. Hey, Wes is here to talk about uh, DIY urban combat techniques. Uh, thing, things you can do in Ukraine right now. Uh, Especially if you're 13 years old in Ukraine right now looking for something to do. Yeah, he's got yeah. a segment for you. Oh, boy. Get an empty do bottle I... of Corona and put a bandana <laughs> in it. Corona only. That's the only thing that'll work. Yeah. Yeah. The, the clear bottle is important for uh, skunking yeah. the Molotov. Yeah. No, put uh, a bandana around the bottle. It's very cute. It's like a little yeah. accessory for your beer. <laughs> Yeah, Wes and Jacob, two of my favorite online commentators, and I'd like to believe listeners to this show. <laughs> no comment there. I was fishing for uh, confirmation and a compliment there, but I guess uh, that's not <laughs> no, how yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down. I'm, I'm I have absolutely listened to this show more than I have been on it. <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm chronically several weeks behind so if you guys said relevant things are like in the immediate past i i i haven't heard it um but but yeah it's it's fantastic to be here i i feel like i've really made it i'm finally here on the uh on the seattle sucks podcast so yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, i should have known i wasn't even thinking yeah, i forgot you're like one of those like four guys who who are upset that, by yeah, that. one of the holdouts this, i'm this sorry for you man hostile seattle sucks nationalist takeover <laughs> yeah this is crazy it's kind of like similar to some other nationalists that we might get into no i i i just feel like we we represent the clear uh the clear majority of your viewers who who don't know what the name of your podcast means and don't understand it at all. <laughs> you know, you know, some people, some people, when they watch a film, right, that has some open ends, they, they're objectivists, right? They need to know exactly what it means. Like, you know, maybe the director explains it to them, but you know, true art sometimes is left up for interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you want to, you know, Go on YouTube and make mechanical freak explained videos like all the the Easter eggs you missed uh, yeah. in this week's episode. By all means, it's all to the good Ta for us. Talking freak. Look, I mean, I'm just saying uh, if, if you have to go rewatch Wild Wild West, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. That's all I'm just saying. Yeah. Next time. Uh, next time I lose my job, I will get right on that. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> you know the call center in San Antonio that everybody goes to work at when they lose their job. Literally, at least when I was there, played Wild Wild West in the waiting room while you waited for your interview. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a fun like memory you brought in up the for me. Zone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, everyone cool. was sorry to bother you if you haven't. <laughs> I t let me tell you the centers are larger and bleaker even than that movie <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. oh my god cool well if you listening at home haven't taken away uh, everything you need to understand what mechanical freak means and it is about in all the little like hints and easter eggs we just dropped in that conversation then you know google's free uh put so. the pieces together folks there is a meaning there is a meaning you, we just you know value our listeners intelligence yeah follow the yellow king 
Yeah. It's not our job to educate you. Yeah. That being said, it we is not. <laughs> that being said, this is not a bit we are going to talk about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yes. You're just not going to learn five, five dudes. We're all he hims, right? Five he hims. Uh, you know, he days talking about uh, Ukraine. That's What's right. This meant to be uh, just just some dudes podcasting, <laughs> which is really what this um, world historical moment calls for. I think we're going to have a lot of takes that no one has had yet um, online or on another podcast, uh, except the ones that we get our opinions from all five of us. <laughs> uh, if you want to pause right now because you want to learn all about Ukraine and Russia and Russia's dramatic and horrifying and deadly escalation of this situation uh, by invading Ukraine and all the geopolitical context necessary to understand all the ins and outs of this, well, you should go to Google and Google uh, Mechanical Freak Ukraine and You'll probably get Brian's recent article published uh, at um, mechanicalfreak.website, which has, you know, the listicle explainer on the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine that's taking the Internet by storm. Um, so maybe, you know, if you went and read that uh, right now and then came back to uh, this episode, then, you know, you would have uh, all the context you need to uh, really absorb all of our like next level takes. Yeah, I take the time to explain the whole crisis through the lens of uh, the 1990s you know, after-school sitcom California Dreams. So uh, I think it makes it pretty easy to understand. Yeah, it, it, and, and you do a you do a Hegelian analysis of <laughs> California Dreams too. Yeah, uh, exactly. You're soon to be published on uh, Verso, and Zizek's going to be out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> Mechanicalfreak.website, everybody. Okay, so... Uh, it's, it's pure ideology. Sorry, go on. On, on our website, that's correct. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Wes. Yo. A lot of uh, insane takes out there. Um, a lot of really, like, choice uh, internet content. Uh, really wild shit like magnified in an unusual way by the actual gravity of the uh, situation. Um, what's your favorite so far, Wes? What, what do you got for us? Uh, so far, my favorite, and there is a new one every single day, uh, was a exchange I saw from a Pam Keith Esquire who tweeted that uh, we need to stop being so afraid of Putin's nukes. He's either going <laughs> to deploy them or not, but letting him keep oh. threatening to use them to terrorize the world is bullshit. <laughs> Cancel him now. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lovely reply just to let you know, you know, where people are at reading this. Uh, I agree with you. And if he does use them, I'm close enough to a large military installation that I would be targeted. And I would rather take the risk of being obliterated on a what if than not helping Ukraine now. (laughs) So fucking sick. Awesome. Just mutually Uh, assured cancellation. It's. (laughs) (laughs) yes oh my god um well that is fucking deranged uh that is just a that's a real good like uh temperature of what we're dealing with here yeah Um, we're starting out strong holy shit really want to get annihilated in a global nuclear war like they love it they love the anticipation uh the fear 
Um, it's getting them hard. It's getting them wet. And uh, really, they just want to come. They want to shoot their load like uh, as the mushroom cloud engulfs them. Uh, Jacob, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, first, I, I, I just want to say I um, I think that that's uh, a a pretty crass and vulgar take. I think what people really want <laughs> is just for their lives to like fucking mean anything at all. And that like getting blown up by uh, Putin's nukes uh, would be a more meaningful death than, I don't know, like wasting away from cancer while your you know, health insurance runs out and you are, you know, die bankrupt uh, in the ruins of the, you know, what remains of the U S welfare state in a blaze of glory. But yeah, I, um, this, this was, I believe from, uh, from before this, this came to my attention before the actual invasion, but it's, it's this conflict's version of the, um, hi, I'm, uh, Juan von Einsatzgruppen. Uh, my, my Venezuelan, uh, brothers yearn for freedom, uh, you know, support our protest against, you know, Maduro, whatever. This is uh, a, this is a guy who claims to be a Finnish leftist. The wording is a particular, okay. it's this incredibly long thread basically of how the people in Eastern Europe really, uh, they really support NATO, and NATO is this this mutual defense pact that they all have. That what they're really mm. scared of is uh, is the Russian is you know Russian imperial aggression, and uh, this and 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 this is actually the the correct leftist and liberal take that the majority of people support. And in case you're wondering, he definitely has a European Union flag emoji in in his oh, in, in his thing. Oh God, those so. those people are the worst. Whenever I see an <laughs> EU flag emoji in there, I know I'm going to see the dumbest. <laughs> shit alive like nauseating no but he he, oh, yeah. he fully represents the uh the uh left in finland so obviously we're going to yeah. take with full credence well, yeah. everything that i mean of course yeah i mean we're we're, li- we're listening to people on the ground who are we americans to like you know say from you know a million miles away that what <laughs> what the left is saying in finland when he's a finnish leftist already yeah. this is the most impacted population so we're we're we are obligated to uh, to accept anything they say. So. With, with such with, with such rich history, too, you know, <laughs> always being on the right side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, to be fair, you know, Finland, you know, could be hit by really even just like nukes launched from planes, whereas, you know, us over here uh, in America and most of us on the West Coast, we may only be targeted by uh submarine launched nukes uh which so you know we should check our privilege yeah that's true <laughs> we, yeah, we, right. we we should prioritize this in privilege order um <laughs> so airplane airplane is like less privileged than submarine right yeah. where and icbm is somewhere in the middle yeah i was i was okay, i was okay. just gonna ask where icbm fits into that because if you really think about it like the the level of like priority of strikes um the Bremerton naval base is where they like outfit and equip and refurbish all the nuclear submarines. So like they would hit that first. So we, we would be oh, like yeah. the first to mm. go. That's like only 10 Ooh. miles from Seattle. So. Mm. Yeah. so maybe this podcast should actually be the ones being listened to. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Mm, elevate, elevate marginalized voices. Huh? And it turns out those voices are ours. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess we're just going to talk even louder. It's incredibly <laughs> convenient. Gotta, <laughs> elevate the gain elevate the gain of this podcast this is the kind of theory i enjoy mm-hmm. well i mean listen it takes you know probably 20 to 30 minutes from an icbm to go over the north pole and then hit seattle that's that's a lot of time to talk about how you were right 
<laughs> that is the end goal of like if you can imagine the perfect ending for a poster a true poster is like knowing the icbm's coming in and being able to fire off the post see i was right i told you quote, so yeah quote tweeting those that doubted them you know <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, it's fucking 2012 man it's woody harrelson you know like podcasting to the end before getting yes. obliterated while he's like getting like completely and he's like, ah, I told you so. I knew oh. it was coming. I made it sound kind of bleak, but you guys are making it sound kind of cool. <laughs> I mean, that character was cool. He was a cool guy who who had cool hobbies and exactly. interests. Uh, uh, Moon, yeah, do you got a, a favorite tweet? A uh, favorite I response do. here? I do. And I think this is very on brand for Mechanical Freak. So uh, here's the tweet. I find it interesting how people justifying the Ukrainian invasion are parroting NIMBY thought patterns. <laughs> oh they will say, no. No. They, they will say Russia is concerned over NATO presence as if Putin has the right to decide what Ukraine does within its own borders. Very curious. And just a random thought I had. <laughs> this is the true urbanist <laughs> struggle. <laughs> Man, fucking <sighs> urbanists. Right. It's a fucking disease. I don't know what's wrong with those people. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, uh, is, wait, tell me that's a Seattle account. That just. Oh man, um, so I think right. it's a San Francisco account, okay, but that, that um, makes sense too. Yeah, yeah the same thing that follows. <laughs> I mean, let's be fair: the Seattle accounts are just copying the San Francisco ones. Yeah, they wish. They yeah, the <laughs> Seattle people could never. They wish. I mean, an explainer about how more dense construction within a city could actually reduce the impact of a nuclear weapon is is probably not very far out. <laughs> isn't yeah right isn't that actually one of the explanations for the uh for suburbanization that they were trying to distribute the population more and make them uh less vulnerable to um what to if, nuclear what strike? if you know what jacob what if this <laughs> radicalizes um these urbanists and they get radicalized into becoming suburbanized for the purpose of spreading out the um you know blast radius of a nuke where mm -hmm. they're like okay density is bad now because um the the red menace of Putin uh, could like just take us all out at once if we're all like densely in one big cube in Central Park. Um, that's that's just like an easy target. So now we need a sprawl. Sprawl's good now, actually. <laughs> You're describing uh, like what sounds like a really beautiful like uh, national like coming together for common purpose. Uh, you know, as in like. Uh, persevering through nuclear annihilation that I think America is totally capable of. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, it's, you know, it's going to be hard to build a palm shelter in your backyard if you have a multi-family uh, lot, right? So that's why we got to yeah. have the single single residency home. Yeah, uh, you, you, you got to convert single family garages into uh, bomb shelters. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you don't want to be dealing with the HOA when you're trying to dig like yeah, Could you uh, imagine the four, assessment four when they like <laughs> decide to build a bomb shelter in your condo? 
One of my favorite episodes of Doomsday Preppers is they're building this bomb shelter in Dallas. And it's this huge, like, repurposed sewage pipe, essentially, like an eight-foot diameter sewage pipe. And they're lifting it with the crane up over the fence into this just shitty suburban, like, backyard and you know, outside of Dallas. And they drop it on the fucking fence on accident <laughs> and tie it up right. It rocks. Just imagine this, but all over America <laughs> all the time. Hell yeah. Um... Just think, so, if that was more densely zoned, that could have killed somebody. Think about that, urbanist. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> uh, so we're joking about the fact that uh, people's reaction to this is uh, fucking lunacy. But, you know, obviously, like, this is, like, a horrifying thing that's happening. Russia invading a country most Americans uh, didn't give a shit about, like, two weeks ago. Uh, and what that means is, like, Ukrainian people getting killed in their like homes and cities just you know being at this point slowly leveled uh you know we don't know how long this is going to go on or how bad it's going to get but uh, as horrifying and tragic as that is like we do have to spend some time seriously talking about how fucking insane the uh at least American response to all this has been in the mind of uh like our media class our our ruling class. Um, so yeah, I want to ask the question, uh, why, what makes Americans so fucking crazy? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, get at that by talking about some examples here. Brian, these are yours, right? Yeah. 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 So there's a few different styles of tweet 7C that I think are indicative of the same, uh, the same phenomenon, the same brain worms, whatever. Uh, one, which you saw a little earlier in the invasion, uh, I've, I've luckily not seen it as many since, but it these all show the sort of limited frame that Americans have for like understanding a lot of stuff, or at least certain groups of Americans have for understanding a lot of stuff. This first one I, I like to call the like uh, orientation packet at Evergreen College understanding <laughs> of the world, right? So <laughs> it's it's absolutely no mystery why the far right is cheering for Russia. They love dictators and they hate freedom for anyone who isn't a rich, straight white man. Damn. Who? And I'll just tag on another one that I saw on Facebook that actually a friend of ours posted on Facebook, which was just a picture of a tank with a guy sitting on it, which is presumably a Russian tank going into Ukraine. And it just said, you know, uh, this is white male privilege. And (laughs) 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 Yeah. it obviously begs a lot of questions like uh, who are the you know, I guess of this like uh, Russia or the are the the white settler colonialists and Ukraine is just trans POC or something. But it shows a startling, I guess, lack of knowledge about populations. <laughs> These are basically ethnically the same people. Right. Uh, also, both have like a fair amount of Nazis in their army, which, you know, seems to speak <laughs> to this issue. But uh, in you know, in a lot of ways, it's not even even like getting into that, engaging in the sort of ethnic questions of this is kind of maybe beside the point, because like whatever the dimensions of this uh, conflict, like this seems to be what a, a large group of Americans like their only way to organize uh, this, these any yeah. thought basically is in. Uh, culture war terms, which I, I think is, I guess, a victory for the American right, I, I, I guess. Well, yeah, 
let me let me just give one quick more example, right? To give just the the other more popular like liberal form of this, uh, which I think is it's all of a kind. Which uh, this is from some guy, but this is like very indicative of a lot of tweets that I saw. Watching the war in Ukraine unfold feels like watching a new Star Wars trilogy. Can we please skip God to the it. end where the oh. underdogs win? Darth oh. Putin dies and all the Ewoks celebrate. Darth Putin. <laughs> I mean, the, oh, the God, very dude. literal answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we can. Not only can you not skip forward, that is a very maybe the most important thing to understand about this, like on a uh material like level of what is going on in reality and on a moral level, is that there is absolutely no happy ending. Yeah, there is only misery, death, and destruction. That's it. There is nothing else going on. There is no other vibe happening in Ukraine for the foreseeable future. Whatever goes down, however long the actual fighting lasts or what form it takes, it's just misery. There's no not going to be any, uh, you know, happy heroism to be like laughing about, uh, you know, a year from now. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, it it just seems like the entire for an entire section of basically centrist liberals, the only way they have of understanding anything is through these sort of media, this, this sort of mass, like the sort of Disney MCU type stuff. That's, that's the narrative that they uh, most fully identify with this sort of like, it, it's the classic, like, you know, the endless Harry Potter references where you please read another fucking book. Um, and <laughs> it's too busy watching movies. Yeah. And it's like, and it's what's, what's interesting about all this. And it goes to, uh, Brian, your, your first point is that this push to war has a very particular character that is, I, I, I think specific to it happening under a democratic administration. Um, if, if, mm. if all of these things were happening under the Trump administration, um, you know, if, if, if Putin had done this, I, I, I don't think there's any chance that Trump would have reacted or the, that a Trump administration would have reacted any differently than a Biden administration. It would have been the same thing. The partisan issues yeah. would have just oh, yeah. been reversed. It would have been the Republicans saying, we must defend the innocent people of Ukraine. And the, and the, and the Democrats would be saying, uh, you've lied to us every other fucking time. Why would we believe anything you say? Um, mm. And it's, it's like there's no... Um, so it's like the, this weird situation now where like Tucker Carlson is being linked to like DSA as like, these are the forces <laughs> that are, that are, you know, op opposing, uh, Biden again in, in this, it's, it's just, um, it's such a strange, like, uh, particularity of, of our current period. Well, and to be fair, I didn't think DSA New York should have backed Tucker Carlson's campaign. Um, <laughs> so. I do think that was a mistake. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it shows to which uh, the degree to which the discourse uh, that has happened, particularly online in the last decade, has not served people very well for <laughs> understanding the world around them. <laughs> to, to put it mildly, I, I do agree with you that there is a partisan dimension to this and like how backward like liberals uh, pattern that they've fallen into over the last like uh, many issues, especially in international relations like Syria, where if you like any anything contrary to the the main line, the media narrative, whatever is being sold um, makes you 
you know, a Putinist. I mean, we're going to start being called Putinists <laughs> around here. And so that's how um, DSA in this, the statement um, is getting tied to like Tucker Carlson and the right also being, you know, y- using this to be critical of the Biden administration. And I think, you know, uh, on the basic like rubric of American empire, I think, you know, the Biden administration does has left itself open for the kind of like wild attacks they're going to get from the right. I don't, maybe we don't have time to get into all that, but like this is going to be coming up in the midterms, you know, the failures of all this. I'm going to disagree with you at least a little on, I think if this had happened under Trump, I think the, the libs have such a cultivated Russophobia and ultimately like hard on for war that they would have, it would have been one of these like, Oh, this is Trump's really like, we all got to unite around Trump. Now, you know, we got a Trump's really the president now, now that he's talking tough against, um, uh, Russia. And then they'd be, I think, criticizing him for not like going to war, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I think the potential danger is what actually happened during the Trump administration, which is that he dangerously escalated the conflict in Ukraine by agreeing to send weapons to Ukraine and things like that, which is something we were doing not publicly, but agreeing to do it publicly. And, you know, Democrats then yelling that he wasn't anti-Russia enough or whatever. Right. But I mean, either way, we've had a like four year bloodlust publicly about Mm-hmm. Russia, the greatest evil man's ever known, a, <laughs> a dying kleptocracy with a declining, you know, population, right? But uh, can't replace its own population with birth rate or whatever, right? Uh, but yes, this is the biggest evil in the world. Well, and like you know, to to your point about uh, how you know DSA's a pretty good statement, I think on mm-hmm. um, on this is basically like a pretty standard anti-war statement. Um, is like linked with like Tucker Carlson, a literal like it's not just like Crank saying this. Like actual like New York Congress people are going on Twitter, like Richie Torres, and um, say quote the D- the DSA and at Tucker Carlson have joined forces to form a pro Putin axis in American politics, an alliance of useful idiots. <laughs> I mean, I. What do you even say to that, man? Well, I would fully expect the left punching to accelerate, uh, you know. I mean, (laughs) not that was ever going to go away, but this will just be the next reason to do it. Yeah, I mean, like, Matt, and and, and this this is a Democratic congressperson uh, retweeting um, Max Rose, who's, like, running for, like, Staten Island Congress, I guess, uh, who says, I am deeply concerned with DSA statement calling on the U.S. to unilaterally leave NATO in the midst of a level of Russian aggression on the European continent that we have not seen since World War II. Needs to change his name from Max Rose to Men Rose. Am I right, guys? Ooh. ooh. <laughs> After that, one, King. God damn. Um, but I mean, like, I feel like this, the, the point of these is like, I just feel like, like you were saying, Brian, like this, like left punching and Russian aggression and like kind of like relitigating um, scare tactics. I think... We can't even imagine a world where, like, just a principled anti-war take is con- is not only like hard to imagine for <laughs> Americans, and not only like an easy punching bag. I think for um, you know, like 
actually like bloodthirsty, uh, you know, centrist uh, Democrats, but it's almost seen as a hostile threat, right? Like it's not even seen as like, oh, like how is like, how dare you even suggest that, you know, the U.S. like leave NATO or when we don't get involved in this conflict, right? Um, and it, it, it's it's this weird phenomenon of like not even like not comprehending, but active actually interpreting it as something uh, peculiar and threatening to um, to say that like the U.S. should not uh, be directly involved. Yeah, well, I think that's explainable. Uh, I mean, what that tells us is that it is politically opposed to their view, meaning yep. they want war. That's why they react that way. I mean, what else are you supposed to take from that? A pretty standard, yes, let's let's not have a war. Let's not get people killed. Let's do diplomacy. The reaction is the same kind of reaction in the run-up to the Iraq war in 2002 and 2003. It's, you know, it's blame. It's, uh, you know, vilification uh, because the media class and a bunch of the ruling class want war. And that is, you know, that was easier to grasp when when this country was just ramping up to invade another small, theoretically sovereign nation the way that Russia is doing to Ukraine right now. Weirder that they seem to want uh, to go to war with another nuclear power. Um, kind of a different thing. Kind of seems like it would be, uh, yeah, like you say, Munia, like a pretty standard take or like one allowable in the discourse to say, like, let's, uh, let's not do war between superpowers here. Let's not do the war at all. Let's use diplomacy in the way, in whatever way America is capable of, involving itself in this uh diplomatically uh they must want war and i think like the next thing i'm going to take us to here is uh an example of the uh media classes uh insane bloodlust for uh war with uh russia here this is richard engel uh nbc you know uh like superhero level war correspondent i believe he I believe he covered the uh like the balkans in the 90s uh serbia and then really you know uh was all over the tv for the invasion of iraq um and uh you know ever since then in iraq and afghanistan he's the, yeah, the an american hero greg we got yeah it. he's he's a hero he sounds like a cool guy he's gonna be with us forever like he will be like um you know wolf blitzer on cnn he he became famous <laughs> and is now on that channel like 24 hours a day right but he he became famous in the first gulf war covering that on the ground well That's cnn be became he's famous gonna... in the first gulf war too <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah um so we're gonna just have richard engel around forever um so just think about that when I read you uh, this thought from him. Perhaps the biggest risk calculation slash moral dilemma of the war so far. A massive Russian convoy is about 30 miles from Kiev. The U.S. slash NATO could likely destroy it, but that would be direct involvement against Russia and risk everything. <laughs> Does the West... Put the nail on the head. Yeah, all life on Earth. No big deal. <laughs> then he asked the question, does the West watch in silence as it rolls? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I mean, the obvious answer 
is yes. But the more salient thing to take away from this is that this risk calculation this asshole's talking about is is binary. Is like we either send cruise missiles at a this r- massive Russian army convoy and do like a highway of death, but against a <laughs> nuclear power, okay? To get us into war with Russia, or we just watch them roll into Ukraine. It seems now it seems like he's, you know, really thinking maybe we should do this, but nowhere on the table here is any of the options in between that, which is fucking diplomacy doing what <laughs> uh, the U S has failed to do up to now. Uh, I mean, I think we can argue that the United States has, you know, been provocative in its like quest to constrain and encircle Russia. That is part of like the context that has led to all this, but at the very least they've, you know, our government has laughed off diplomacy with Russia and they're still basically laughing it off now and stoking, uh, uh, stoking the tension by another subject we're going to get into, which is the crippling economic sanctions, which are another uh, choice that Richard Engel doesn't mention, which are also warfare. Like we are now at war with Russia. It just isn't, there's no shooting yet. Well, yeah, well, and then also, though, like, NATO and just the West in general is funding the Ukrainian army, too. I mean, like, where did they get all of their um, guns and equipment and everything? Like, and intel, too. I mean, like, a lot of intelligence is being fed to the Ukrainians. Like, it's not like they're just, like, standing out of it. It's just, like, a little more indirect than putting U.S. troops. But, you know, there's still a lot of, you know, like, money and, uh, you know, weapons being funded. I mean, shit, even, like, uh, today, like... It, Binance, a crypto exchange, uh, donated ten million dollars, uh, U.S. dollars equivalents in a uh, in crypto to the Ukrainian <laughs> <Hell yeah>. military. <laughs> you know, like I mean, uh, it's just like really, really wild, wild this shit. Is, this is why the CIA needs crypto to launder some of the money it wants to get, like woke points for. <laughs> For like, you know, standing up against the patriarchy by uh, donating to the fight against Russia. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it, so that's cool. And it's like to say the whole thing is a false dilemma is almost to just wildly understate it. Like it's a false dilemma for Richard Engel. It's a false dilemma for the United States government who have these other options. For for anyone else, like we we don't have those options. We 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 are not in a position, and 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 to assert that like we are some sort of national unity that has to make a decision, like there is the U.S. Mm-hmm. and there is Russia, and there and these are these cohesive entities in conflict with each other, is just to completely buy into a nationalist framework. That's the underlying cause of all of this to begin with. Like this is not yeah. a war between Russia and the United States and Ukraine. This is a war between three different kind of interrelated capitalist classes, and yeah. we. As you know, I'm a socialist. I think most of you are socialists, as far as I know. Like our our task is not to tell the capitalist state what what they could do to resolve this conflict, which I think was the one like the one weakness that I saw in that the very boilerplate anti-war DSA statement that I thought was by and large pretty good. The one thing was like just calling for their negotiations is 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 not enough like their 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 negotiations have clearly failed like that's that's if yeah. if they could have if zelensky could have negotiated his way out of this conflict he would have like he's he's not an idiot he he would prefer not to get invaded by the third largest military in the world 
Um, and so like actually, um, the alternative that isn't, uh, you know, a U.S. NATO strike on this convoy is mass action by the working classes of these countries to stop this war, which is, you know, I, 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 we're obviously nowhere near the level of organization in the United States to pull that off. But I mean, the fact that there are sizable anti-war demonstrations in Russia is a, a, it's a it's a promising start. It's, it's more than I would have expected two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, you see. Jacob, as American citizens, it's our duty to send to ha- to form an opinion on what our government should do, and then send our vibes for Washington. <laughs> it's Astral called democracy, if you will. <laughs> Democratic projection. Um, well, I yeah. mean, questions of war, too, of which that like the U.S. citizenry explicitly has no say for whatsoever. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, constitutionally, yeah. Um, Okay, so I think, you know, a lot of subjects that we're going to want to get into there, but like, um, I want to turn to now, uh, you know, the development of the last few days has been uh, the, you know, massive economic sanctions leveled against Russia in uh, retaliation, uh, or I guess deterrence, um, or as a motivator, I guess, of some kind. Um, and we can get into the, the details of that, but just to get us started here, um, this is uh, columnist Jennifer Rubin. Uh, <laughs> Always a sane voice for sane time. <laughs> yeah. Really level-headed shit going on here. Talking about spaghetti uh, at dinner again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm really stoked for her to transition from being a Cuomo reply, reply girl to a Zelensky reply girl. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> she has two Ukrainian flags in her display name. Not oh, just wow. one, but two. Twice as nationalist as you. We are going to yeah. talk about the the, uh, the Zelensky horny posting at some point, right? I mean, why not now? <laughs> you gotta bring it up. Listen, bring it up. We don't have Jennifer Rubin, like... Uh, congratulating him and his family on having dinner together but like or their meatball consumption whatever whatever the national dish of ukraine is wow but yeah you know i mean yeah now that you bring it up i mean the it was only a matter of time before the Zelensky uh, like toe curling calf cramping post <laughs> came up, which does represent the like third frame by which liberals are able to understand things is like the world's biggest, dumbest goofs or somehow they're sexy, baby. They're in politics. You don't find power funny. Of course, none of them are in power anywhere, but whatever. Yeah. You know, like, well, the only fair, way we know how to reward people in power is by claiming that we want to have sex with them. That, that That's like... <laughs> essentially the message why run for president if that isn't the result i mean we don't have any democratic power so like our votes don't matter maybe our various holes would i don't know (laughs) (laughs) no but i was i was i was thinking about this earlier today with this this whole sequence of people from like i think we we saw this come out like i first saw this with beto o'rourke and then with cuomo and fauci and now Zelensky and like this sort of this pervasive infatuation with with these people who they relate to as, um, as celebrities who they're yeah. and mm-hmm. celebrities are constantly promoted by our media as these sort of objects of infatuation that you are attracted to and compelled by, because that get, that gets you to continue watching them in all the various crap that they try to do. Um, and so because people don't have a, 
any kind of real democratic relationship to the government. They, they, they understand these people just as celebrities that they, you know, have a, a sort of a parasocial relationship with. Um, yeah, that's their thing. They, they find the person that they are attached to. And it's, it's, it's funny, at least in American politics, that it hasn't like no major figure in power has managed to really utilize this. Like, honestly, I think Trump kind of yeah. utilized it, it to, to a degree for, oh, yeah. for, for a part of his base. Um, but the funny thing about Zelensky is this is someone who actually is in power, actually is doing things that are, I mean, he's less like, like I, I can understand where they're coming from. Like I, 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 I saw them reacting that way. And I spent a while today watching these speeches that he gave. And it's like, he's a, he's a moderately, he, he, he's, he's a fine looking guy. He speaks moderately compellingly. Like he's not fucking Andrew Cuomo. Like, yeah, yeah. um, <laughs> or about to die. Like Fauci. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe about to die. We'll, we'll hold, hold our, yeah. well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We don't know the cause of death there, Brian. Ugh. He w- he was a celebrity before becoming uh, president. No, yeah, he's he a TV star. Yeah, he was a comedian. Yeah. He's he's the John Stewart of Ukraine. They they actually went down that timeline. Oh, so they and went el- down the Reddit their- timeline. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I mean, and look where it's led them. Uh. So yeah. Yeah. It makes you think. You know, I uh, candlelight Trevor Noah as president. Don't yeah. do it, people. I mean, uh, go, we should go back looking for tweets uh, saying, search John Stewart and president. Uh, back oh, God. Yeah, see. yeah. From like 2009 to 2012. Yeah, and this, uh, is, this he, is what you would get. I mean, I think yeah. we are like we are also on that path, though. Like there is as as the 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 longer the United States persists, the 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 percentage, the, the chance that we will have a comedian as president uh, approaches one. Like it, it's, it's, it's yeah. not, it is going to happen. Well, I think okay, John so Stewart's Louis just not C. old K. enough yet. Oh <laughs> <That's> yeah. <a problem. laughs> <Hell> yeah. <laughs> Louis um, C.K. for president. Hell yeah. <laughs> have, you guys tri- have you guys tried to watch his new show at all? Just, just out of curiosity. No. <laughs> Even no. once for five minutes. No. Wow. Wow. I, I did. I could not make it five minutes. What is I'm it? I'm not surprised. What did he, did he say the word cancel? Like in the first five words of his set? No, it was about uh, how inflation is uh, corporations' fault for deciding to rise prices, which is true. But okay. it just consisted of him and another Richard person Wolfspit. who was also nothing, no like credential, but a Twitter personality, just agreeing with each other for five minutes that that's what it is. <laughs> that rocks. I like the idea of uh, like. Louis C.K. just doing a straight down the line economics show, like left economics <laughs> show. He's like, doing, he's basically regurgitating what yeah. he listened to on Economic Update and was yeah. like, damn, you know? I mean, he, uh, he, Richard Wolf makes some good points. I mean, you guys remember when Louis C.K. was like a leftist hero, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, like yeah, he, was, yeah. he was like, oh, yeah. Like he was the feminist comedian. It was, it was wild. Yeah, yeah. So. Hell yeah! Uh, that the the sign, uh, the male feminist uh, celebrity, always the one you got to watch out <laughs> yeah. for. <laughs> This is just an interesting one from Jennifer Rubin here. It'll maybe bring us into talking about the current stage uh, of a U.S. Uh, action in this conflict. The obsession with Swift was dumb. That's the equivalent of unplugging the fax machine, referring Ooh. to the latest uh, media push to cut them off from the Swift banking network. I think probably a bigger thing than... She's uh, making it out to be. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then this is, then she's now referring to the wider sort of uh, 
package of sanctions, this is exploding the entire Russian economy. Unbelievable skill, preparation, and coordination. This has never been done to a major country. Plenty of minor ones. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's debatable whether Iran is a major country. But Yeah, uh, right? Like, yeah. it's pretty fucking big. Um, and, okay, maybe not by the same methods, but... Uh, so I guess this is technically true, but, you know, we the United States did participate in the deliberate exploding of the Russian economy once before uh, in living memory as well. Very, very notably right. participated in that. Uh, they even maybe went as far to call it shock therapy. Yeah. Um, Venezuela, again, like, um, I guess it's, I mean, it's like, just like a pile of shit to an American, like some weird, like, uh, dusty place in the mountains uh, to an American. But like, yeah, I mean, people live in these fucking places. And I think... Well, a the, lot of them don't seem like major countries because we did this to them. Right. Like, yeah. like, like part of Venezuela's poverty is that we did this to them. Part of yeah, Iraq's of poverty is we did this. To them. Part of Arabian poverty is we did this to them. Like, also, <laughs> the other reason they don't seem like uh, major countries is because they don't possess nuclear weapons. Uh, which is part of the reasoning... Uh, hey, I, I think it's TBD been argued. Iraq, still looking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Part of the reason that we uh, were able to destroy those countries' economies uh, and not really face any repercussions ourselves was because they didn't have nuclear weapons. Okay. Like they were not a serious threat uh, militarily for that reason. This is like a very different story. I think Jennifer Rubin is framing this correctly that this is exploding the Russian economy. Which is, by any definition in any time in history, an act of war, as all economic sanctions are. I think we have this idea of, you know, the, the media class and liberals in this country have this idea that sanctions are diplomacy because they're not actually shooting someone with a gun, but actually they're just acts of war. Um, she's correctly identified the scale and, but then is like salivating over the unbelievable skill, preparation and coordination and just the thrill that this has never been done to a major country before is palpable and disturbing to me. Yeah, it's 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 really wild. I think people have this idea that the sanctions are just like confiscating the yachts of rich Russian people, which if that's what they're yeah. going to do, sure, whatever. I, 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 the idea that that, that 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 would have an influence on the the decisions of a state is kind of ridiculous to begin with. But um, yeah, what I, what I don't, it's, it's funny how sort of triumphalist they are about this, not recognizing mm -hmm. I was listening to um, another uh, a show today that was, that, that was, that was talking about like, we don't really know what the economic implications of tanking one of the largest economies in the world is going to be like the ruble has lost like what, like a third of its value in the past couple of days. Like mm -hmm. yeah, this totally. is like when they destroyed the Soviet union, the Soviet union was not integrated into their own economy. Like Russia is integrated into like the global yeah. capitalist economy right now. And like also, we've been teetering on the brink of like a major, you know, economic breakdown for the last, however many years, like God. Yeah. Not only are we, are global economies more interrelated, but also in the case of the collapse of the Soviet Union, the new ruling class of uh, Russia was, you know, complicit with the United States of like uh, stripping the Soviet Union bare. 
uh, this is a little different. You know, this this they don't want that to happen. Um, well, it, it's it's an interesting point. I mean, <laughs> Russia is you know a major gas and oil supplier to a lot of countries who absolutely have to have that gas and oil. Um, I, it's one of those things that it sounds like uh, hyperbole or something. But it's like this is how world wars get started. Yeah. Right. Like little things spin out of control because the capitalist economy is very interconnected and everybody is in an interimperialist dogfight to recarve the world and the shit spirals. And like Russia provides vital resources to a lot of countries who might not be interested in seeing it completely collapse into economic chaos. There was that thing that was said on Russian state TV or whatever about how Russia, you know, about their sort of upgrading their nuclear posture about how you know look russia you know doesn't want to belong in a world if russia is not going to be a part of it and the correct read on that is the read you should have if america were to say something like that which is the russian ruling class the russian capitalist class the wealthiest people of russia if they can't be the wealthiest people in russia they don't want to belong in the world right this is also Mm -hmm. the suicide drive of the capitalist class who's willing to kill everything in order to maintain their sort of privileges and things like that i mean this is i don't know this sanction shit so far the sanctions have had holes you could drive a fucking truck through and have been specifically designed only to hurt poor people uh which is typically how they always are uh but like i mean this is dangerous fucking shit i mean this is an insane path to go down yeah and should we arrive on the other end of this in in you know a form where we didn't all die in nuclear war we're going to find ourselves you know you know, smacked in the face with the fact that we are in a multipolar world right now. Like the long-term consequences of, of, of this, you know, countries like China and Russia, they're going to look at this and they're going to see, okay, we really do have to create, you know, our own version of a swift banking system yeah, and, and, and an economic block that's, that's not able to be tanked like this or affected. Yeah. I mean, which they have been doing. I mean, going back to 2009, uh, they've done a series of large energy deals that they've one done in their own currencies, moving away from the dollar, which is mm-hmm. important. And then the other part is they are setting up their own international exchange system. And there's a lot of countries that are not, uh, let's just say, in the best relationship with the United States, who also supply very important international goods like oil, who might think that, hey, that's not the worst thing in the world to join this, right? The U.S. will then have to defend its, you know, dollar regime, right? You know, in international trade, and again, we're pushed towards war, right? And I mean, I, I think part of what's annoying about people being so glib about this shit, like, oh, who, you know, who cares? We got to make a choice, bomb the Russians or whatever, is uh, not only are they just condemning tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe by the time it's over, of Ukrainians to die, uh, something they seem to not really care that much about, but I mean this could expand to lots more people in lots of other places. Uh, yeah. It's not good. It's not good. And further break apart the world economies in a way that uh, only makes like conflict easier and more likely, therefore. Yeah. Uh, it's the Victorian era, but with nukes this time. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah, it is. And it should be noted, I mean, one of the benefits in the 90s of collapsing the Russian economy was the mass proliferations of one of the few things you could very easily get your hold of, your hands on in Russia and sell, which was weapons. And 
generally the mass proliferation of weapons, which the United States is currently doing in Ukraine, by the way, is uh, not good for, uh, you know, the world uh, stability, etc. <laughs> yeah. Know? So I'm going to give you guys just a quick one two punch here on the attitude about the economic sanctions. We've got right here in the Seattle Times, Ed Board, talking about what the sanctions will mean and America's response and, you know, how we, what our relationship as Americans should be to that. The title is Peace for Ukraine Will Take Sacrifices by Americans. Well, wonder where this one's Seattle, going. Seattle yeah. Times Ed Board. Yeah. I also wonder who's going to bear the brunt of those sacrifices. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll check this out. Economic sanctions may not draw American blood. But America will feel pain. Oil prices will likely rise, further fueling inflation. Russia, its forces faltering and using ever more violent methods to achieve its objective of setting up a puppet government in Kiev, is expected to increase cyber attacks around the world. We might get hacked, fam. Uh, <laughs> Biden should tell, uh, skipping to the end here, Biden should tell Americans to stand strong to rally behind the cause of democracy, self-determination, and common decency. This is how we all do our part, by not flinching in the face of rising prices, scarce goods, and untimely services. Previous generations have sacrificed more. Uh, the whole article is a real gem, and I promise you, uh, nowhere is mentioned uh, the effect that collapsing a major economy is going to have on the people who, uh, you know, depend on that economy every day. Um, but, you know, um, Americans might have to feel, uh, you know, a pinch at the gas station. But uh, stick with it, folks. Well, and and the the real thing that the author is is, is asking there is that we all do our part and just accept this stuff and uh, mm -hmm, yeah. never question, like, wait, why, why are gas prices going up? Because... Uh, the United States does not import gas, does not import oil from Russia. We're pretty much energy self-sufficient. And haven't like the oil prices already like wasn't Saudi Arabia already fucking with the oil prices actually to mess with Russia? Aren't aren't like <laughs> all of the US's allies in the Persian Gulf like the determiner of oil prices to uh to begin with? And so so now 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 the inflation isn't just uh consumers uh, fault for having more for having more money for having all that all, all that extravagant spending uh, from all our unemployment checks um, now it's not corporations fault for uh, just arbitrarily raising prices because they can uh, now it's actually Russia's fault our imperial enemy that we can just completely uh, off offshore that blame and never have to deal with that question again yeah. yeah, very convenient for uh, Democrats going into a fall election, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, Isn't you know. it? Well, My God. Well, well, I will point out something else that was in that article that I just thought was a funny thing. And this this little historical, these little historical ironies keep popping up over and over again, which is they do have a whole paragraph where they mention, you know, in 1990, the U.S. faced another international crisis, Iraq's invasion of Kuwait. And for those who don't remember this, the irony of this is the United States essentially created that crisis by giving Saddam Hussein the okay to invade Kuwait, <laughs> then lied about the, what happened during the invasion, lied about, you know, babies being thrown out of incubators and stabbed with bayonets, uh, lied to the Saudis that uh, Iraq was going to invade Saudi Arabia, showed them fake satellite photos of tanks on the Saudi border in order to put U.S. forces into Saudi Arabia, which we promised to leave once the war was over. Of course, we didn't leave uh, a construction magnet 
magnate then took some uh, you know umbrage with that and maybe ran a plane into a building <laughs> later. Um, but, like, and, and during that entire war, which is basically just a massacre of civilians in Iraq, uh, Moscow actually in the middle of the war uh, brought about a peace plan that they negotiated with the Iraqis that basically resolved all of the U.S.'s claimed complaints against Saddam Hussein, which the U.S. just didn't even negotiate and dismissed out of hand so that they could continue killing Iraqis. Mm -hmm. Just a a funny note. None of that context is in the Seattle Times editorial, I'll just say, but a funny thing to bring up. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Uh, Despicable shit. Okay, so, you know, so going down the ladder here of, like, you know, from uh, full-blown, like, blue-check freaks to... Uh, now just like a an online prepper community type guy uh, working our way down the um, hierarchy of, of uh, bad takes here. I'd like to introduce you to a, a prepper who would like us to know that nuclear war is bad. Very bad. Don't oh, get me wrong. <laughs> but based on my research so far, it's more survivable than you think. Not what you want to hear. <laughs> As someone who has over a hundred hours of Fallout Three logged on my Steam, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you, yeah, more survivable than you think. That's a low fucking bar. It's nuclear war. <laughs> Seriously, the key to survival is realistic optimism and a positive mental attitude. <laughs> this, by the way, this is the most American statement that has ever been made. We should print this on the flag. The key to nuclear survival is realistic optimism and a positive mental. Be attitude. yourself and have fun with it. No, like if you're going to try to like manifest uh, your feelings into the world through like the power of positive thinking or something, shouldn't you do that like to stop the nuclear to war from nuclear happening? War. Yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe, like... No, that doesn't work for that. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. But... <laughs> stop being an idealist. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, Jacob, you talked about, you know, people, the reality of people's... Um, you know, maybe it's spiritual life in this country and the just lack of meaning that anyone has in their life. And, you know, part of that comes from a lack of power over anything in their life. And certainly, I think on some level, our prepper friend here knows, like, he has no power to affect um, whether we have a nuclear war or not. But maybe he has some power in his life to uh, affect the life of himself and his family, he thinks, and maybe taking that action gives his life some kind of meaning in that uh in that moment i mean he can certainly change how he feels about nuclear war like this evening that is something (laughs) you can yeah yeah. (laughs) well greg you you've also missed the most the second most american thing of this whole deal which is he links to a sub stack Uh (laughs) (laughs) well yeah in the meantime here's how anyone can start uh, food prep um, and with a picture of a bucket with some, I don't know, uh, horseradish uh, jars in it. Um, yeah, he's got a sub stack, I guess. He's probably a YouTuber. Yeah, Did he's, a, he's a crypto a, guy, too. Oh, yeah, I think so. Has to be right. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it it's just hilarious because it mixes all the best things about America, which is idiotic optimism mixed with hucksterism right like yeah. and, it, and i love yeah. it it's, it's good just selling something yeah don't worry about nuclear war buy my uh coconut oil six pack well, i mean there are there are <laughs> actually like it's a joke it's like a classic american cultural joke but there are bomb shelter like 
residential suburban bomb shelters all over America. Uh, I've been in a few of them that people built in their backyards or under their houses that were sold to them to the tune of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in the fifties, um, as like their, their solution. Uh, you know, okay. So like now maybe, you know, we've, okay. So we've talked about all the sort of, uh, ruling class and like, uh, blue check media psycho, uh, attitudes toward this. Like, I guess the next question is like, what do we think? Like, most Americans feel. I mean, my view is usually that most people aren't thinking a lot about political issues from day to day. This is one that I imagine because of its actual seriousness and the like barrage um, that's happening, I would guess like is penetrating on some level down to average, like working class people. Um, Jacob, you were saying you had a conversation at work. Uh, that was interesting. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. This, this, this anecdote is not going to go the way I think you are hoping it will, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, uh, I, uh, I work in, um, an industry that is somewhat adjacent to the construction industry. So it's, it's, it's a pretty conservative, uh, crowd on, uh, on the whole. And, um, I pretty much the, the, um, the standard practice is to just avoid ever talking about politics. Like there's, there's a pretty much mm-hmm. across the board. We'll just never talk about this basically because it's a bunch of Trump people who don't want to be outed as Trump people is, is, is kind of uh, my take on that at least. But um, so I've, I overheard a conversation a couple of weeks ago that was basically a guy who's actually a, um, a, a child of Ukrainian parents saying like, yeah, I don't, I don't think Putin's going to do anything. This is basically bullshit. When everyone was saying like, I don't think anything's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is basically bullshit. Um, but I've also been having this series of ongoing conversations with uh, a very unique individual um, where I work who is um, kind of a, I get the impression, sort of prepper, militia, probably right wing, but also kind of libertarian. Um, <laughs> and so he's, he's, he's been lecturing me for the last while about like the, the, the danger of great Russian chauvinism and how Putin wants to like take over the world Um and, uh, yeah, so I, I was really struggling to find like, how, how can I like, cause I'm, I'm, I'm used to having these, this, these conversations with other, with other leftists and I don't really want to like go the full, yeah, this is, you know, revolutionary defeatism, um, with, uh, with this guy, but, you know, finally articulating something today of like, we have more in common with Russian conscripts and, you you know Ukrainian people cowering in their basements than any of these people and the, and the, than any of us do with with the politicians who are who are driving this. This is not you know it's like there are not real conflicts between peoples and trying to get that across to people is 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 really quite difficult sometimes. And yeah, and at the end of the conversation, he he he, he talked about the uh, the fact that uh, U- Ukraine has opened up applications for a. Um, uh, a international, uh, like an international brigade, like a foreign legion. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I've, I've thought about it. I'm kind of tempted, probably won't. But, um, so I, I think that there is like the stuff that we read from the liberal pundits is deranged and warmongering and crazy. And I think most people aren't paying that much attention. This is the one person who actually wants to talk about this at work. Um, yeah. but, I don't. I. I don't think we should underestimate the 
the level at which propaganda and ideology work like this yeah large very large sections of the american working class are basically convinced by this stuff convinced that uh ukraine is the poor innocent oppressor ewoks being being attacked by the stormtroopers and uh, it is our duty on some level to intervene. It is the duty of our collective entity, the United States, to to intervene on some level. And mm-hmm. sort of taking that apart is is a real task. And it's not um, – I don't think it's an accident that, like, there's huge anti-war protests in Europe. And as far as I know, there's fuck all in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that basically in the U.S., people, one, feel a distance from this uh, like they because we don't actually talk about U.S. actions abroad. Right. There's a feeling that this is oh, this is happening over there. No connection to the United States. Right. The other part of it is that, uh, yeah, I mean. Just because everybody in your life hasn't adopted uh, Ukrainian flag emojis and is like joining the OUN now or something like that doesn't mean that this isn't working on subtler levels of, uh, you know, the U S is besieged by villainous, irrational enemies that we have to be prepared for, you know, things like that. Yeah. To to whatever degree the Imperial, the baseline, like Imperial propaganda works on people. I think the broadest level it works on is to say, to signal to everybody what everybody's supposed to uh, take as, assumed you know what everybody else thinks so you know unless you have a strong opinion in some other way you just think that and yeah i mean yeah i mean the the baseline uh attitude is is nationalism and uh good guys and bad guys so that's what we get yeah well, that's how i view the world so that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> well it, it, it as far as i found the only person that we know that's like talking about this that isn't just a brain poisoned like a podcaster or something uh, is watching it, who's like a normie or whatever, is just watching it like a TV show. And for a while, we were getting updates, you know, about like, the, you know, it might as well have been the latest thing to happen on Euphoria or something, right? Just the, the latest little news tidbit they had seen. The U.S. is Nate and, Jacobs, if you think Yeah, and, it. you know, and it's one of those things that if you, like, push on it, like, ask a sort of question, a probing question back or something like that, uh, this person didn't really have anything to say or thoughts on it, right? And eventually just got annoyed that we kept, like, responding. Um, but uh, I, I think that's the, like, base level that a lot of people are interacting with it now because it does feel very much like something over there and uh and people believe that the u.s is not involved in it in any way right so uh they're i I think they're they're ingesting the media but not necessarily caring in any way at this point and like as much as it is it is closer to home because it's a nuclear power and I, i you know maybe there's something to like uh it's not happening in like a third world country or something. So it's, it's not happening where we would expect that it's, it's still happening in Eastern Europe, which is like, you know, the part of Europe where I think a lot of Americans expect to be, get, be kind of a mess. And so there's, there's some sort of activity in it and all that former Soviet union stuff. It's always kind of messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's our sort of survey through the awful takes and the like diseased minds of Americans. You know, that brings us to the real question, which is, you know, what should we actually feel about all of this to the extent that that's even the right question, you know? <laughs> oh, it sucks. Um, like, it, I mean, you know, nuclear annihilation of the human race, like 
we talk about all these different aspects of this uh, this this conflict now that for better, you know, it, it started by Putin. It's there now. You can't get rid of it. And all of those different aspects get you very quickly staring down nuclear annihilation of the human race. And that is insanely depressing if you, you know, know what nuclear weapons are. But I think you have to do your best. And, and I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of great stuff to say about this, but I mean, I do want to say I, I I'm not 100% pessimistic on nuclear war, um, just because I do think some people somewhere understand the implications and do want to try to avoid it, who have some power to do so. At least I certainly hope so. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's reasonable to believe. Yeah. Like, if you look at Biden and you look at NATO, you don't see them making the worst moves they possibly could. They're sending some arms uh, to Ukraine, and yes, that's an escalation, but... They do seem pretty, uh, you know, in lockstep that there's not going to be any NATO troops. There's not going to be any engagement with NATO troops. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does seem like there are some adults out there. Uh, it's it's worrisome, but I think the best position, you know, is just peace and what gets us to peace, you know, the fastest. A lot of people aren't going to like it if you're pointing out that, like, the fastest thing that gets us to peace is a guarantee from the United States that the Ukraine won't join NATO. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's, that's kind of it. Yeah. And also like, Hey, NATO shouldn't exist. I mean, yeah, yeah, some things are easy. Yeah. Actually disbanding NATO, bringing back nuclear disarmament as a meaningful political demand. Like it's, it's kind of interesting that that one dropped off the face of the earth. Like it used to be this big thing. And then, you know, we all thought, Oh, well there's, there's not, you know, a communist country, or, you know, communist in a lot of quotation marks, uh, country. So that, that'll, that'll never happen. It's like, no, nah, man, it's, it's still there. <laughs> like, uh, uh, well, imperialism doesn't stop when communism goes away. Right. <laughs> Turns out imperialists are, are, are perfectly able to kill each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and excited I mean, to yeah. most of the time. Who knows? Maybe less so, uh, when the Soviet Union was around. Um, the, I mean, I guess what I'm hearing from us is, when we're surfing the blast wave um, and shouting, I told you so, we'll, it'll be directed in your direction because uh, you I don't know. think we're going to die in a, a nuclear war. Um, I okay, told I mean, you, you know, less. That, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it does seem that at least in this like conflict right now, uh, everyone who is sanctioning Russia is at the same time, like pretty committed to uh, not actually getting in a shooting war, uh, you know, too close for comfort and uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, so yeah, Jacob, what, uh, I mean, what's the, what's the whole holistic takeaway from this? Like, you know, what's the, what's the thing to hold in our hearts and minds? Or is that, a, is this a stupid fucking question? <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that there's, I'm a little more, I'm a little more inclined to think that nuclear war is not inevitable, even if there was a pretty drastic um, expansion of the war in Europe. Um, just because I think there would be a lot of hesitation to, to kind of open that just like, I think, like in any military level in, in, in on any military front, there's like 
well, we're not going to use chemical weapons if they don't use chemical weapons, but the second they do, we will. And so there's, there's, so I, I, I don't necessarily think it's inevitable. Um, but I, I actually am pretty pessimistic about the, um, the prospects of wider war, um, in Europe. Um, like the long, the longer the active war in Ukraine goes on, the more likely it becomes. I think if, yeah. if, if Putin had just steamrolled it, forced through, uh, you know, Minsk too, and, uh, gets his mm-hmm. puppet government in Ukraine and pulls back to, to Russia and well, this is the new situation now and whatever, or, or if he was, or if the Russian military was, was actually just defeated and, and, and thrown out. Um, but the longer this goes on, the, the greater the chance of some sort of escalation, um, it's just like these these imperial powers. This is sort of what I've been trying to say uh, for on a couple different things. But like these these imperial powers are coming into conflict. This 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 conflict is inevitable. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's, it's mm-hmm. not a it's not an accident, and it's not something that can be avoided in the long term. That the return of a multipolar world is something that is happening, and something that will lead to another world war. Um, and the mm-hmm. only solution to that is a global socialist revolution. Um, and so whatever we can do, and so it's like, what, what do we do about this? That's sort of the, the other implication here. And it's like, um, uh, we do everything we've otherwise been trying to do, uh, as, as fast as we can, I guess, (laughs) as if the threat of climate change wasn't already enough as, 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 as if there weren't any other fires lit under our asses, um, which there, there are, which is a funny thing to say as someone who like burned out of activism, like a year and a half ago and hasn't done shit recently. It's like, a new IPCC report came out today. Uh, you know, all the headlines of course are worst, uh, prognosis yet. Yeah. Um, so, uh, suck on that. Um, yeah, you know, Wes, you said this earlier, um, it's like the Victorian era, but all the great powers have nukes. And we were talking about this online a bit like that. I mean, it's almost like we've been saying a lot of people have been saying like, Oh, the, the U S days as the, the unipolar hegemon, are coming to a close. Oh, the the empire's uh, power is retracting here, and yeah, that that that's this is that happening on some level. Like we're moving into some kind of great power world or something, and that means conflict, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, looking back at the Victorian area, I mean, you saw, you know, for those who are familiar with Lenin's <laughs> work on imperialism being the highest stage of capitalism, Europe and pretty much the world got to a point where the empires had completely gobbled up every piece of land that they could and were now butting up against each other. And it eventually led to a world war. I mean, the institutions that were put in place weren't able to foresee the way that the contradictions would come into conflict with each other. And it it just kind of broke out. I think the scary thing is that we're going to kind of be starting in that scenario of empires Mm -hmm. just butting up against each other since the colonial period is over and largely still in place. I do think that this war will probably, unfortunately, last a long time. It does not seem to have gone Putin's you know, ideal way from the outset, and I just don't see him backing down as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, so uh, that is a very likely scenario, is this goes on as like a bitter war of insurgency in you the vast country of ukraine for a long time and we're doing 
the same thing that I think like, you know, the analysis that we've talked about here, which is that this is about imperial competition between various, you know, uh, national ruling classes, capitalist classes, uh, is more accurate, but there's, there is truth to the sort of bog standard liberal explanation for the great war, which is that, you know, a bunch of stupid fucking alliances got out of hand and look at what this whole fucking thing is about here is about the U S uh, stubbornly refusing to uh, hear Russia's security worries on the, on NATO expansion and really everyone in our ruling classes refusal to acknowledge the, what I think, you know, at one time was a, a, like a basic and understood premise in the liberal world that, and that's that alliances creating and expanding alliances can be, and often is an aggressive act because of its implications. And like, we, we won't, you know, no one will acknowledge that it got laughed off. I mean, it has for 20 years, but even recently in the last few weeks, like when the, the Russian demands went out maybe a month ago or something to address like, you know, well, we need to settle. We need to settle the question of Ukraine joining NATO that needs to be off the table. And everyone laughed like, well, I mean, you know, you can't just as some country, uh, try and dictate uh terms of who can join uh some alliance you're not in i mean that's sacrosanct like alliances uh are not gonna say like let you say who can't join them and i mean that's just a ridiculous attitude it's just com- and like yeah this it is a hostile thing you know um and that's where we're headed and that's between these two uh explanations for world war one we've got the boxes checked yep Gene Roddenberry really knew what was going on. <laughs> awesome. Um, I think the most important question that any leftist or socialist communist uh, should be concerned with is, uh, yes, I am going right back to Star Trek, is will we get the Bell Riots first or will we get World War III first? <laughs> um, I mean, if we if we go, if we skip the Bell Riots um, and uh, go right to... World War Three does that doom us for all time, um, or does it not really matter? Like, if uh, the U.S. is going to start and uh, largely probably lose a nuclear exchange, like, did it matter that like um, it kind of went social democratic just before that? You know? <laughs> maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Um, we should do that episode. We have to do a uh, Wes. You're coming back, and we're doing a uh, past tense parts one and two episode. <laughs> how much? Okay. How many Star Trek episodes have you guys done at this point? No, just the one. We've just really? we've done one. We've only done it feels one. Feels like it's every one episode. <laughs> I can see your feeling. It feels like a million. Oh my god! I can oh see god, Brian over there. I guess I'm. I'm just getting confused with the uh, the many other. Uh, the many other Star Trek podcast episodes I have I have listened to that uh, all sort of <laughs> well, l- blur together in my memory. But. Everyone does past tense, but I haven't heard anyone else do uh, uh, bar association like we did. Um, okay, so I mean, anything left to answer on the questions of what can we do? Who are we rooting for in this fight? Uh, have we summed this all up? 
I guys. mean, we're we're not rooting for like oh, there's no yeah. there's no side. It's, it's not a football game. Are there yeah. any moderate exactly. rebels going on? In Ukraine? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's no doubt that, there are. <laughs> to, to that point, I mean, you know, uh, we we've decided that we're going to uh, celebrate. Yes, the moderate rebels in Ukraine, right? Uh, the fact that there's lots of irregular forces in Ukraine. We've been told uh, that you know you're just doing a Putin-esque uh, disinformatia to uh, <laughs> if you bring up the fact that uh, Ukrainian nationalism is like literally just Nazism. <laughs> like it's rooted in the 1930s. Like all those guys that they love, like Stepan Bandera, who they celebrate as the hero of the Ukrainian nation were like not not joking. Like we talk about people around here being Nazis, but like literal actual Nazis uh, that wiped out like, you know, 75 percent of Ukraine's Jewish population. Um, and Polish that, population. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, there's a reason why there's not a ton of gypsies in Ukraine, like lots of things. And it's one of those things that I I think why you have to push back against that and bring some of the stuff up is that um, we're flooding this country with weapons. All those people are going to have them. And they don't have a lot of uh, quibbles with killing people they don't like who aren't Russian. Mm-hmm. Uh and we're already seeing some of the disasters of the sort of Ukrainian nationalism and the racism inherent in it and the uh, attempts of people of African heritage to try and leave the free fire zones of Ukraine who have been held off of trains and off of buses trying to get out of Kiev, who are being denied entrance at the Polish border. And the fact that our wonderful American media is emphasizing over and over again how white the Ukrainians are. And that's why we should support them. <laughs> I think we're they setting have blue up- hair. Sorry, they have yeah. blue eyes and blonde <laughs> hair, just like us. They're not yeah, like those uncivilized countries. They're quirked it, up shorties with blue hair. They got blue, blue hair. hair first time. <laughs> they got they them pronouns. To, to, to give a recent, you know, instance of this is what happened in Libya, where the U.S. armed, mm-hmm. funded, and egged on a bunch of insane right wing freaks, and whatever you thought of Gaddafi or his regime. What followed was extremely fucking bad. Libya's never stopped being in a state of civil war since then. They ran open, like, again, the ultimate irony that the first black president of the United States essentially brought back open-air slave markets to fucking Northern Africa. Um, Something extremely similar to that is likely to be the actual outcome for Ukrainians. That whatever you want to think about how this is going to play out, one thing you should be very sure on is uh, there's not going to be independence for Ukraine. That's off the yeah. table now. That's done. Yeah. That's done. It's either in fully a vassal of the United States, fully a vassal of Russia, or it's going to be a completely collapsed hellscape of yeah, or, civil war and violence. Uh, or broke, that's broken the options up. now. Yeah. Broken up into smaller states. Well, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton was on Maddow tonight saying like thank god hey you know what you know we have i I didn't hear for somebody who knows how to win we have a we have an example from history we can call on to know how to act in this situation and that was uh arming the brave fighters of the mujahideen in afghanistan when the soviet union invaded actually she just kept calling them the russians but um and literally talking about that and uh, like all the all the replies are literally the planes hitting the towers yeah, um, <laughs> that's like oh, that interview segment is just like a tailor-made Adam Curtis segment. Yeah, insane. But I mean, the thing like that 
That's you like forgot the only acknowledging. <laughs> Cut to a shot of a plane flying into a tower. <laughs> but that, that is true. Fair enough. And that is real. Yeah, we did arm. Uh, we did. The CIA did create Al Qaeda. Just like, and they've been using them ever since. Uh, in fucking Syria and in, in uh, Libya. Okay. And yes, that blowback came back to haunt us on September 11th. But like, Jesus Christ, like. That's just how it, again, how it affected Americans. Yeah. That was just the sacrifice yeah. Americans made for empire. Uh, we, this country went into Afghanistan and used the people of that country as pawns in their war with the Soviet Union, in America's war with the Soviet Union. And when the Red Army pulled out, so did we. Uh, we you know, it wasn't for the Afghan people and this this isn't for the ukrainian people they don't give a shit if they want i mean jesus like talk about the u.s empire crumbling ostensibly this country is supposed to be a client of the united states like who's being like uh you know uh, uh nurtured into nato and look they they're just letting them uh get flattened they're gonna defend ukraine right down to the very last ukrainian yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and, you know, I mean, Afghanistan's another great example in that, yeah, it descended into a decade-long, horrifying civil war. Mm-hmm. And what people forget about the Taliban is the basis of support for the Taliban was that people in urban areas, particularly in Afghanistan, preferred the Taliban over our former allies, right? Like, yeah. they preferred dealing with these guys over our former allies, which is not the same thing positive about the Taliban, but we'll give you an idea of, like, the forces the U.S. had you know, created in that country. And by the way, it's like, you know, I mean, it's turned Afghanistan, I shoved it even further into the fucking ground, you know, with what the U.S. has done for 20 years. 40 years of war. And we we literally ended it by stealing $7 billion. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) looting the bank on the way out. But that's, I mean, I think that is probably the most likely outcome for Ukraine. And nobody should be happy about that or think this is good or positive or be cheering on or trying to convince 13-year-olds to throw paint balloons at fucking tanks or any of that shit. It's it's, honestly, it's grotesque. It's disgusting. No, yeah, I mean, it's 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 sort of an open question who's who has a more insane, uh, violent, horrifying ideology, uh, Al Qaeda or the Azov Battalion? And yeah, you know, it's like yeah. the the second a, um, a a resistance to uh, Russian imperialism uh, emerges in Ukraine that is uh, committed to turning the imperial war into a class war, I'll, I'll support mm-hmm. that, but. You know, it's like I was I was listening to Zelensky's speeches and it's just all this is the Ukrainian national character, yep. you know, mm-hmm. asserting our our strength against it. It's like it's you know, he's not saying anything like, you know, truly horrific, but it's like it's just straightforward bourgeois nationalism. And that's not worth defending. Yeah, yeah. this is a war between the ruling classes of the world, including Ukraine's yeah. uh, kleptocratic. Uh, ruling elites, Russia's ruling elites, America's ruling elites, Europe's ruling elites. That's who is fighting this war, and they're fighting it with the lives of you, everyone in Ukraine and uh, uh, Russian conscripts, you know. Um, so, yeah, no dog in this fight, um, uh, except, you know, uh, solidarity with the people who are going to get murdered for the next uh, 10 years and have their lives destroyed. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's a good answer, Jacob, for like, what, what would, 
what would get you to root for for a side is um, it, the the real answer. It's political. You know, it's like until uh, there is something that isn't just about uh, sort of lazy nationalism or the prerogatives of, uh, you know, the billionaire classes of our various countries. Uh, yeah, that's not uh, it's for us only to maybe try to exert uh, some some leverage in this country at least like an anti-war movement would be something to support something that was against you know prolonging this conflict by arming it but uh yeah I'm, this is not a democracy so good luck uh, closing thoughts folks it's bad out there folks not, not <laughs> great the only thing i could say is for folks who are like me that tend to be a closet news junkie and just when something like this breaks out, try to figure out what's going on all the time is just either don't bother or just take literally everything you see with a gigantic grain of salt, because no media from American to European to Russian to Ukrainian has any idea what's going on on the ground. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're going to find that most of what gets reported now is going to be wrong in a week to a month. Yeah. uh, This one especially has been pretty opaque. Okay. Uh, well, Wes, Jacob, thank you so much for coming and having this very long conversation <laughs> that, uh, uh, was fun. It was good. Uh, you know, we did some good dudes rocked tonight. Um, uh, this was some real, uh, podcasting hours. Um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. And, uh, oh, should we like, should we drop your, uh, handles? <laughs> follow our boys you can follow me if you want at what is my twitter handle i don't even know (laughs) (laughs) w-e-s-c-z-1312 i I just shit post though so that's all you're getting (laughs) (laughs) it's the best kind of posting jacob can we follow you uh yeah if um if you want to hear me uh, opine ignorantly more about uh, international politics, I, I occasionally post um, on Twitter at, uh, at Stukov, uh, S-T-U-K-H-O-V. I don't actually have anything to plug. So that's, but I, and, I, uh, I would like to have more, I would really like to have more Twitter followers though. So that'd be cool. And does uh, Vladimir Putin pay you for each post and follow? Um, you know, I've been, I've been told the checks are in the mail. I haven't gotten one yet, so I'm, <laughs> you know, I'll well, believe it when I, I see mean, it. The sanctions, they right. They, he's sanctions. been cut off from Swift. You're not going to get that money. You're not seeing that cash. <laughs> they can't. They have no way to pay you if they wanted to. No, I mean, you need I, to hold out. I'm, I'm just waiting for a submarine to come through Ship Canal, and like, I, I, I will get a radio message. I will go down to Union Bay, and I, 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 I will pick up my envelope full of cash. Well. Uh, well, you heard it here. Uh, make sure you follow <laughs> Jacob so you can get that envelope full of cash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Russian uh, shark class nuclear submarines are going through the Ballard locks every day. <laughs> so, all right, folks. Uh, thank you so much again. Uh, thank you, Podmates. Uh, and, uh, Hope this has been uh, at least entertaining or something for all of you out there. I don't know, man. This, uh, yeah, I'm done. Good night, everybody. Yeah.
Yeah. Bye. Yeah, great night. to see you. Good night. Yeah.